RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. I want to welcome to Reality Check Radio, Dewa DeBoer, who's written an opinion piece, which has been published on the Right Minds NZ website, Impressions from Christian Summit 2023. And I thought it'd be interesting to get a view from inside that event from Dewa, who joins us right now. And thanks for making some time for us. We love hearing things from the inside. Okay. Hey, hello, Paul. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, yes, I was invited to the uh, Christian Summit and State of the Nation uh, that was hosted by Peter Mortlock uh, from the City Impact Church on his uh, North Shore campus on Tuesday. Right. And um, the uh, I guess the theme of the event was really to hear from uh, Christian um, aspiring politicians, various different uh, parties that have some kind of Christian influence in them, um, and as well from some people in the uh, National Party, both former um, MPs and you know current um, supporters. And yeah, it was quite an interesting event uh, for a Tuesday night. I had to get all the way over to the North Shore. I live uh, you know, about uh, 40 minutes away, and it was at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night, so it was hard to get to. Um, yeah. And but when I got there, the whole place was parked out. Uh, you know, they, they've got a massive campus there, um, but but you know, I had to park on the road basically. Um, and they said it could seat about 1,500 people. I would say it's about half full, so about okay. 700 people there. Um, and the uh, speakers they had range from uh, Bob McCroskey from Family First. Yep, no, um, Bob. Yep. Yep. They've got um, I had uh, Alfred Naro, former National Party MP. Yep. Um, there were some. Uh, there was also another former MP from United Future. Um, I don't remember his name though. Um, and then uh, various political parties represented as well. And um, we had Helen Houghton from the New Conservatives, um, which is yeah, just disclosure. That's where I'm a member of, um, and that's why I went there to support her. Um, you had um, Leighton Baker from the Leighton Baker Party. Um, you had uh, Hannah Tamaki from Vision, Brian Tamaki from Freedoms NZ, um, mm-hmm. and you also had um, Ian Johnson from the One Party, which is sort of a, a more niche, a specifically Christian, uh, probably more, more Pentecostal kind of party. Interesting that all those people came together for this, so I can see why it would have been um, an interesting event to attend. Okay, so um, first question, it seems to me, i get your view on this, it seems to me that there is yeah, like an attack on Christianity going on right now. Um, in, in this country. A lot, of, uh, a lot of negativity, and it seems that the left is kind of making Christianity its enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Am that's, I that's right? Certainly, that's certainly the view that I take, is, is um, I, and I see a lot of people all over the place now coming to this <clears throat> this sort of conclusion that, that politics is basically boiled down to almost a spiritual warfare where you have uh, – uh, at least from the the mainstream politics, the left wing uh, politics, it's all attacks on Christianity, um, and that's really what they wanted. They want to get rid of Christianity, and they see Christianity as the threat to everything that they want to achieve. Um, so even if you look at uh, mainstream journalists, uh, we we saw uh, um, some stats recently there, seeing that about like over two thirds, probably seventy five percent of journalists identify as being left wing. Um, and very consistently, we see attacks on uh, Christianity from them as well. Uh, and that's uh, definitely uh, a reason why events like this are picking up in, in interest is that there are Christians who are wondering, you know, what do we do? 
how do we fight back against this? And that was definitely the theme that came from a lot of speakers. Um, I did miss Bob McCroskey's talk early because I can't, you know, uh, he was right at the beginning and I came a little bit later. Right. Um, but he apparently spoke uh, on that theme as well about all of these different uh, uh, ways in which Christians in New Zealand are under attack by uh, uh, especially the Labour government and um, encouraging people to get involved and uh, fight back against it. And it seems that, let's say, the the um, more conservative politicians, political movements, and we're talking about New Zealand here, but I think it extends further than that, and, and followers, supporters, are uh, losing confidence to publicly, you know, this position, th- these beliefs. Like there's a almost a shame or keep quiet factor about it that, that seems to be growing. Yes, we see this in the National Party, especially where they have a number of, of Christian MPs and even the MPs there, they get um, muzzled if they speak out or say something that sounds uh, a little bit too Christian. They're just speaking about their beliefs, their their, uh, their religion, you know, this part of their life, part of the way they view the world. And then they get muzzled. They get told off behind the scenes um, that it's damaging their party. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's sort of trying, they're trying to remove Christianity from the mainstream uh, that, that you can't hear anything that sounds remotely Christian and definitely um that there's that fear setting in where oh well you can't say uh you can't say something that that sounds even if it's kind of associated with or adjacent to christianity yet uh, the ability to espouse freedom of thought is fundamentally anchored to this belief system okay it's evolved but um you know the the importance of the individual <laughs> and the autonomy of the individual and freedom to express views it comes from there so you know, it's it's great having the luxury to demonize people um, with the freedom you've had from that very foundation. It's yeah, abs- kind of crazy, abs- actually. It's it's crazy. It's sort of the uh, yeah. You f- you feel like they're running on the fumes of of a system. You know that that gave them the ability to speak. Uh, that gave them the ability to express their thoughts. That gave them the ability to. Uh, to choose to not be religious or choose to reject religion and so on. And and then to, they take that and they try to, you know, use that to destroy religion, kind of the the, the revolution that never ends. Uh, you know, the, and that's often something we see in revolutionary movements. They, they keep going and they, they even destroy past iterations of their own revolution. So we see in New Zealand, um, uh, you know, these uh, radical feminists who are called trans-exclusionary and so on. And um, we had this with uh, Posey Parker, uh, recently, uh, a few months ago, and I was there at the uh, event where, where she tried to speak in Auckland. You could see that that uh, even feminists who used to be part of the, this this movement there, they they fall. You fall, if you fall behind, you get um, excommunicated from from the revolution. Yeah, it just keeps on marching to wherever it marches to, and and it really doesn't mind that the, the people who are falling by the wayside are the, the again when you talk about feminism created the foundation for you to go over the top let's say anyway people who spoke at this um, summit i mean you mentioned some names is there anything that really impressed you that was outstanding uh a, a lot of it was what you would sort of expect to hear from from politicians or aspiring politicians um the Many of the different party leaders tried to really sort of justify why their party existed, um, why they thought they had to be uh, involved uh, in in politics, why why they were the real answer to all of these problems that we have. Um, I think the uh, 
and I, I'm biased here, but Helen Houghton spoke a little bit differently than many of the other leader, leaders. She didn't really try to make a pitch for a new conservative as such, but she really talked about uh, what's happening to the education system. Um, she talked about how she was, um, uh, she spoke out against a lot of the sexuality uh, programs in schools uh, and that she was then, uh, you know, Brought brought before the, uh, the 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 teachers' council, she had complaints raised against her. Um, she's uh, uh, and 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 then uh, even now she's got teachers who are sending her material, uh, saying that they're required to teach uh, all kinds of uh, perverse sexual ideas as as throughout the entire curriculum, uh, and they can't speak out against it because well then they they lose their jobs. Uh, so it's sort of you know that that's that's the kind of thing that we're up against. That people are too, even too afraid to speak out because then they'll lose their jobs. Uh, so that, that that was a very very that was something that that really stuck out st- stood out to me as being something that's very dangerous that we don't really talk about enough. What sort of reaction did that particular part of of what she said get from the from the attendees? Uh, I think there was uh, almost a little bit of disbelief. I think to the extent that things had gone, um, but the she got you know warm applause for her comments. Um, as as did many of the other party leaders. Uh, one exception I found uh, was at the end. Uh, Brian Tamaki spoke a lot about uh, himself and what he was going to achieve, and tried to get the crowd to to clap for his various achievements. Um, and it really got to the point where you could tell only one segment of the crowd was clapping for him, and that was um, uh, you know probably I guess the Destiny uh, members who were there. Uh, I guess a fairly large cohort of them, maybe, maybe a third of the audience. Um, but I saw that this was was a large group of young people sitting in front of me, um, and and they sort of uh, checked out of his speech and and stopped clapping. He was, yeah, they weren't really impressed by uh, by people talking about their own achievements and and how they were somehow going to magically make everything better. Yeah, how much did you get a sense of that uh, the people in the various parties and, and movements? we're talking that there's a commitment to really be to put your head above you know the trench line and say it loud mm-hmm. um when you were talking about uh, what helen halton said and that there was a, a disbelief and, and this is really why i'm asking this it seems that you know a lot of people are hearing this for the first time maybe like we didn't realize that was going on yet it's been known for quite a while now so people are, are missing or skipping information do you think that uh, once people realize this is, you know, bigger, wider, deeper than they thought or even realized, that there will be start, start to be more confidence in, you know, finding a voice, let's say, and, and pushing back publicly rather than playing it safe and oh, just keep it to yourself. Yeah. I absolutely believe that we are seeing more of this already. Um, even the existence of Reality Check Radio is a good example that that people are willing to actually speak out about these issues and find trying to find an avenue to speak out. And uh, because you have to keep repeating these things over and over again, as, as you said, we you you think, oh yes, I've I've known this information for years. It's out there, but a lot of people don't pay any attention to any information anywhere. It's only when they uh, attend an event or perhaps listen to. Uh, uh, a podcast or radio or some kind of, uh, you know, they listen to people speaking about this, they realize this is going on. Um, and uh, that's sort of something Helen mentioned too, was, uh, you know, she, she her commitment to speaking the truth and always speaking the truth, even when it offends people, even when they find it unsettling. And she said she had a, had, you know, had a pastor say this to her to say, oh, well, you know, what you're saying is kind of, you know, it makes people uncomfortable. Uh, when you talk about these things, it makes people uncomfortable. And she said, that's good. You know, I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable. We need to feel uncomfortable. We have to talk about these things. I'm sure we here make people feel uncomfortable every day, but hopefully it helps. 
I even so even churches, I have to say, because yeah. I've had um, friends of mine who have said I've been pushed out of my church because of my views, which is goes against everything. Again, you know, you'd think would be valued. Is there some sort of crisis right now? Yeah, there is. There is sort of a, a crisis. Uh, you feel. Uh, there are there there are church and I, ultimately I don't really believe that 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 politics is the point of the church. But if you see churches that are pushing people out because of their political views that are are or, were completely or normal bodily for autonomy, bodily autonomy views. Yeah, exactly. And uh, things that Christians have stood for for two thousand years. Um, and um, you know, there you've had cases uh, against, for instance, mandatory vaccination a hundred years ago when it was first, this was, this was an issue a hundred years ago with yeah. some of the early vaccines. You had churches who actually stood up uh, for, for bodily autonomy then. Uh, and then to see that suddenly a hundred years later, they've sort of given up and say, well, I don't know this, you know, the pressure is too great. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, and uh, I, I hope that these people find somewhere, <laughs> uh, somewhere better. You, you will find, I think the, the sort of, uh, a term that 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 gets used in America sometimes is called uh, regime evangelicals. And these are sort of the <laughs> the Christians who just want to do what the regime tells them to do, what the government tells them to do. Right. And, and again, we've had that through we've had that through all of history too. You've had Christians that have um, effectively apostatized to join with the government, uh, and and it still happens in many places in the world today, where you have uh, uh, you know churches and Christians who compromise just so they can live free from persecution from from the government. Um, but we need to be willing to always stand for the truth. And uh, there are, you know, that 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 is a choice that more and more Christians are realizing they have to make. That, that, that you know, they could just sort of not have not think about it before. Now they have to be uh, have to engage uh, their consciences a lot more. This could be challenging for many people. Mm. Yeah, it, we don't underestimate. It's that, right? it's we don't underestimate that, and you know, like I said, it's uncomfortable, uh, and that that is the reality of the world we live in now. And if you look at a bigger picture, okay, so we talk about jabs, mRNA. It's literally like software in your genes. There's no argument about that anymore. There's a push now to um, lift the lid on GE modification. Um, there's AI rewriting the Bible, the Harari mm -hmm. guys saying. Yeah, the point I'm making that is that from all fronts, it seems that there's a desire to scrap nature and mm -hmm what's here already and and make something which is nowhere near as good as cheesy and it's cheap that's what it is but to to sort of take it over and make it something else it does feel like that sort of effort is underway there's almost part of human nature and and that we want to be god uh we want to play god that's, and that's, a, that's what i was getting what we to. feel yeah. well we feel like uh with with uh, uh a lot of these things you know we have technology that can be good and useful um, but we need to ask ourselves: Is you know, is is the technology being used to uh, to to turn us into something that God didn't make us to be? Is there uh, are these are these forces at place effectively anti-human? They're trying to take yeah. us beyond just being human, uh, and uh, that's that that is a really big part of of where technology is taking us, uh, and it has repercussions throughout all of society. Uh, it's it's difficult to know where this is going to go. I try not to sound too scary. You know, try to not make it sound too scary, um, but that is effectively all of these different uh, pieces lead to a, a, the 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 goal for a transhuman experience. They sort of immortality. They want to live forever ultimately, and that's where they hope that 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 this, this can take them. They can uh, break free of their 
uh, of their mortal uh, and, and their fleshly uh, constraints, and they can yeah. you know, start going from changing their gender and so on, re re rewriting their genetic codes, and uh, ultimately, uh, you know, put uh, put the, the the science fiction of putting the brain in the jar so that it can live forever. And that's kind of it. You know, it's just a people are just a disembodied, or the people can be disembodied brains, um, and that's not that's not who we are. We are uh, body, mind, and, and spirit. We have souls. Uh, we we are complete beings, and we have to accept uh, that's what we are. You've got to get rid of the soul to make the other thing happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, definitely. You feel like that's uh, uh, yeah. Well, people, you got to ask a the question. Of, you got to. I see this. I see this. I see this. Okay, how does that all work together? Well, it all seems to have the same aim. Oh, ding! You know, it's not rocket <laughs> science, right? Absolutely, and uh, even in in politics, you sort of an expression that that I often think about is you know people sort of sell their souls for power. They sell their souls to get to some place in politics, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's I think one of the reasons why there is more interest in in finding some place outside of many of the mainstream parties now is that is that it feels like you look at these MPs, you look at um, you know even party leaders that are supposed to be Christian, like Christopher Luxon, and you sort of start to ask yourself, well, you know, is he selling his soul for, for power ultimately? Yeah, why does he play it down? And, if that's and, your point of difference, why are you playing it down, Mr. Yeah, Luxon? absolutely. Um, and if that's who, you, you know, if you can't express, if you if you can no longer talk about what you really believe and and you can't talk about your religion and, and what you uh, what you value, you have to have to adopt this this fake persona so that you can sort of fit in to to the world that hates you and hates everything you believe um things uh yeah people people are starting to think more and more hey i want to get away from this um so they were part of the this um event in this christian summit as well there was i talked to some people who were in the national party still trying to do good they still uh you know standing up for their their beliefs and trying to change uh politics from the inside basically um, but yeah, obviously they're struggling more and more. There's this very much this idea, this feeling that I get, as I call it, the uh, sort of idea of a sleeper agent almost, right? They they keep their their opinions to themselves, and I hope that ultimately there will be enough of them to make a difference down the line. Um, whether or not that has any chance of of, of really making a big difference, um, we will see. Um, but I do feel like uh, at least uh, Christians are getting more involved and thinking a lot more about um you know what's happening to their country and uh not you know not just uh switching off and uh, uh there's a there was a kind of um this idea that many christians have and uh about oh well, the world is going to end soon something that i come up against quite a bit oh well the world's going to end soon basically um but that's not really that's not how we should view the world we shouldn't view the world in terms of its on terms of its end we need to think about our own responsibility in it uh, and to do to do what we can uh, with what God has given us, uh, and to not really concern ourselves with what the end of the world looks like. Well, you know, the end of the world is one thing, and it may or may not happen. <laughs> but which side are you on when it happens? Mm -hmm. Where are you yeah, left absolutely. standing, or the last moment? People have got to think about that. Yeah. yeah uh, anyway. Um, okay. So here's a here's an interesting question as we get to the end of this chat for you. Do you think then? If the right mix of talent, people, and I know that these parties haven't got far in the past, but things might have changed now. If a Christian party or political movement that could communicate well with the right people, do you think there's enough at 
minimum curiosity, but enough of a feeling out there. And I'm one of those people, I, you know, I feel there's something not right here. And, and there's something very big picture about it in that spiritual warfare realm. What do I know? But I and many others, because I've spoken to a lot of mates who feel this way as well, were starting to, starting to dawn on them as a consideration. I guess a long-winded way of getting to, do you think there is now an opportunity for a, a Christian party to have a mass appeal or potentially have a mass appeal in these times? I think the I think the concept of a Christian party itself is 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 difficult because um there are, we do have one or two in New Zealand that explicitly call themselves Christian but they end up being very very small uh, because you sort of uh an element of theology comes into it and you then have to agree with the particular theology of of that and what does it mean to be a, a Christian party so my focus though is a lot more on like what is a party that that is for Christians, right? It's not something or a morality based party, and that's really basically it. Uh, yeah, and that's something that I do believe has uh, has a lot uh, actually does have a, a, a chance of getting there, and eventually I do hope that will happen. And I'm definitely involved in trying to make sure that that does happen, because uh, we see time and time again in polling, in even in referendums, uh, that at least thirty five percent of New Zealand are solidly socially conservative. Uh, and so you've got uh, uh, maybe even declining, but that doesn't really matter that much. If you've got a solid third, you've got a, a large minority group uh, of, of people who have their interests completely run over uh, by the government. So they have got no real representation in, in, in parliament. And if they do, at least those representatives don't have any power at all. So uh, what it does come down to is, is of course, finding the right, uh, the right people, the right resources, the right mix, the right combination down the line, and I, I see this as more of a long journey um, because you've got to filter out, you know, who works and who doesn't, what works and what doesn't. And I think we see a little bit of that um, this year. I saw a little bit of that at the event with uh, four or five different parties talking about what they wanted to achieve, different strategies. And I think we'll see something will rise above the others eventually. Uh, and uh, and that this is definitely definitely uh, possible and perhaps almost inevitable because you've had uh, in New Zealand politics, you've had a split on the left side towards you know, the Greens. Obviously, you've got the Greens and Labour who work together. Um, you've got National and ACT who work together. Um, but if you uh, don't have any anybody advocating for socially conservative principles, you are creating a vacuum there for a, a, a group to make sure that it has its interests represented. And you only need to capture about one in five of every social conservative to do that. Which is difficult. I think people think that it's easy, but it's not. It's not easy, uh, and and ultimately, people need to uh, people who who take themselves seriously, people who can be taken seriously, need to rise above uh, all of the chaff that's currently floating around. Uh, and I don't I, I don't think uh, that it's necessarily going to happen this year. Obviously, anything can happen during a political campaign. Things can change very very quickly. Um, but we need to plan for the long term. We need to be looking at you know what does the next cycle look like and the one after that. You know, what does things what do things look like in nine years and in 12 years? Do we have people who are committed to to actually building uh building trust, building credibility uh, and and getting there? Uh so I see I see this as a as a really good opportunity and, and perhaps almost inevitable in uh, our MMP system that this this kind of party will end up happening, whether it gets built up from the ground or whether there's some kind of splintering. Uh, in a place like the National Party, where um, you know the the kind of unholy alliance of of progressive and conservative values ends up ripping it apart.
Really interesting. Thanks for coming on and, and giving us your impressions from the um, summit that you attended uh, last week, but also for your thoughts as well. Um, uh, as we've it was great to, uh, to to chat with you and, and hear some of your thoughts as well, Paul. And uh, um, enjoy the the program. I enjoy Reality Check Radio, and uh, I look forward to uh, coming back sometime in the future too. I think we should have a religious feature. A feature mm. on religion or Christianity or, or morality, morals, maybe. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, think I think that, that would, would be quite popular. Yeah, no, I think so. I will talk to the people. Let's see what happens. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.